0: We are not alternative anymore. It's a quickly evolving industry.
1: And, of course, amazing opportunities. We look at the industry and its topics.
0: Things are changing very quickly. What is that market setup going to look like? It's
1: very much about charging experience.
0: Going to much more mature business.
2: And, of course, new revenue streams.
3: Those companies will either have to improve or they'll just die.
1: This is the Electric Avenue Podcast.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Electric Avenue, a podcast about the rapidly growing and evolving world of electric vehicle charging and what it means for you. I'm your host, Aaron Fishbone, Director of Public Policy at Greenway, a charge point operator and e mobility service provider based in Bratislava, Slovakia. Look, I know it's been a while since our last episode, but this one has been all summer in the making. Long distance EV driving is its own use case, and there is no better time to take a look at it than after the summer holidays. Especially this year, when after nearly a year and a half of being cooped up because of COVID and related travel restrictions, many people started traveling again. I know once my family and I got vaccinated, we did too. And for me, this included some long distance EV trips to Poland and Slovenia and Croatia. So this led me to wonder what other people's experiences were like too. So I put out a call to the broader Electric Avenue community, and we got a lot of replies. So thanks to everyone who responded. Four stories have made it into this episode. People driving all over Europe, from Paris to Prague and Dusseldorf to Vendee. That was, we never had range anxiety in any particular part of, of Europe. From relaxed drives to white knuckle, edge of your seat, almost no battery left adventures.
4: We've had to sleep in our car a couple of times because uh-huh. the last charging station was broken. I think you're really
0: gonna get a kick out of them. And listen closely too, because there's a lot of good insights in their stories whether for industry insiders or people just testing the electric vehicle waters about what's working well and what needs to be improved in long distance EV travel and the related charging experience. You'll even pick up a few good EV road trip hacks for your next journey. So with that, let's hit the road.
1: I am Carol Pierrot. I am uh, uh, International Key Account Manager at Newmotion. Uh, we provide charging solution uh, to uh, EV drivers. And I am driving an EV myself.
0: And what electric vehicle do you drive?
1: So I have a, a Hyundai Kona electric uh, with a 64 kilowatt battery.
0: Very nice. And so please tell me about the trip or trips you took over this summer.
1: I drove uh, from Dusseldorf to uh, a city called Notre-Dame-de-Mont, which is in uh, Vendée in France. So that's on the Atlantic coast. And there are so more than 1,000 kilometers uh, between these uh, two cities.
0: Wow. What kind of advanced planning did you do and how did you find it?
1: Yeah, no, that's a good question because before leaving, I, uh, I got, of course, a bit anxious. No, I thought, oh my God, thousand kilometers with an EV. I hope everything goes right. So I had the, um, <laughs> the need for planning. So I, then I, I looked for some planning apps so you have yeah a lot of them on on the market um i've also even bought another charging card uh, on top of the one i use usually just in case you know so like a a charging card for the really just the french charging infrastructure and then i did a first um yeah some tests you know and i um i did the itinerary and looked where are the charge points on the way but then I thought, actually, I don't really need to plan. I mean, I know I have to do anyway a stop in Belgium, in the middle, uh, between Dusseldorf and Paris. This is where I stop anyway when I drive with my EV from uh, from Dusseldorf to Paris, so I know it already. So this one, that was already a given that I would stop there. Then my mother is living in nearby Paris, so I thought, well, okay, I'm just gonna use her socket. And then between, between Paris and Vendée, well, I knew that I wanted to visit my cousin, so I just looked. Are there charge points where he lives? And there were plenty of them. So I thought, well, actually, I don't really need to to plan the uh, the actual charge point. Where is it going to be exactly? I see there is just enough around his place. Now that I did this long trip, I realized that actually I didn't really have to plan anything because right now you already have enough charging infrastructure.
0: That's interesting to hear. That I mean, it's great to hear as well because we expect there's going to be a lot more people coming who need to have that realization. Tomorrow, I'm driving to Ljubljana, Slovenia from Bratislava, Slovakia with uh, Renault Zoe. Fortunately, I went to Zagreb two weeks ago, so I'm familiar with three quarters of the drive. I'm not so concerned. But the first time I did it, it was, you know, really like how's it going to be? What will it be like? I know that emotional arc very, uh, very well, very recently. You said you got another than a card for public charging in France. What was that?
1: Yeah, so usually I'm using the Shell We Charge uh, app and card, of course, uh, which is uh, one of the biggest, uh, it's the biggest rooming network uh, in Europe. So you have uh, 250,000 charge points you can access with this Shall we charge card and app? But of course, there are always like uh, a few what we call CPO, now, charge points operators who are not visible in this network, now. So they might be only visible or like they maybe they not, are not connected to any backend. Uh, you still see a lot of that actually, now, Which is amazing. And so you still need an RFID card to stop and start the charging. Uh, and so for France, you have another operator which is called ChargeMap. It's a, really a community of uh, EV enthusiastics, I would say. So I, I took it as a I was there as a plan B, like just in case I'm, you know, I'm stuck somewhere and my Shell recharge card actually doesn't work, but eventually I didn't even use it.
0: That's really interesting to hear.
1: Yeah, because well, maybe one thing on, on this one, because um, I've been working on e-mobility for about 10 years now, and uh, in the early time, I would say, it was very common that EV drivers have really several cards. And then at some point, uh, some entities were created, like Girev in France or Hubject in Germany, who enabled the rooming, And that has, of course, tremendously improved the situation. So now you don't actually need anymore to have five different cards uh, to access uh, the charging infrastructure. So that's real progress.
0: No, that's a really good point you make. I mean, it's a different day than when we needed 10 cards. (laughs) Did you have any, um, let's say, concerns about the price you were going to pay at any of those locations?
1: Well, I mean, at the moment, you know, I'm not so critical because I accept that the system is not perfectly working. This is a problem indeed that uh, when you start charging you're not quite sure how much you're going to pay at the end of the charging session. So that can be a bit an anxiety, you know, like you're anxious, you're not sure how much you're going to pay at the end. In some cases you pay per kilowatt. -er, So you might have uh, charge points where you have to pay 30 cents per kilowatt -er, and others, especially the quick charger one, you might pay up to 79 cents per kilowatt. -er, So really big difference. And some you pay per kilowatt -er, and others you pay per hour and per minute. So that's really, I think, you know, in, in terms of planning your journey and so on, it's not so bad. You know, it's like I didn't feel that I really had to plan a lot before leaving. But I think if you want to plan your budget, that's much more complicated. The budget planning of the charging sessions uh, is more of a concern, I would say.
0: And you see it's so different. I mean, you really see that it varies so much.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a great difference. Yeah. Isn't it your, your experience uh, on your side?
0: Yes, it varies a lot, but uh, and I think not as much. Maybe other than Ionity, that's a separate one. But maybe, you know, in my experience in the region where I live and drive mostly, the range is not quite so great. Did you, you go on any local roads as well and recharge like off of main roads? Or was most of your driving done on, on main roads and highways?
1: Um, I would say for these long distance trips, that, that was really uh, half-half. So on when I was on the motorway, of course, uh, you know, I was using this uh, DC quick charger. Uh, but then, um, like I said, I did a stop at my cousin uh, in Western France, and we we charged in the urban place, you know, like in the city center. And the good thing is that uh, the 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 place in front of public charge points were of course reserved for electric vehicles. So actually, I managed to find a parking lot really very central in the city, uh, and at the same time recharge. While if I had a conventional vehicle, maybe I would have really struggled to find a place to park. So that's a bit one of the advantages, still, mm-hmm. that when you drive an EV, uh, you can find really good spots to park in the city center, uh, which are yeah, just booked for you as an EV driver.
0: Yeah, no, that is true. That's that's quite wonderful. You traveled through a few different countries. Did you see any differences between the countries that jumped out at you or in the experience that you had recharging or driving?
1: Well, what I noticed is that in France, for example, there are a lot of cases where you have to pay not only per kilowatt, but also per minute. Yeah, I mean that's in a way normal, but it's just as well it adds up to the untransparency on prices somehow. And this is something I haven't seen in the other countries. So like Germany or Belgium for example, you pay per kilowatt. You don't pay per kilowatt and per minute.
0: Are these urban locations or are these highway locations? No,
1: no, urban location most of the time.
0: Carol says her trip with her husband and two small kids was actually surprisingly seamless.
1: I did post some pictures about my long distance trip with an EV, and my objective was really to show the people that going on holiday with an EV is really no problem, and that it's going to become the new normal very soon.
0: You can see photos on Carol's LinkedIn profile, and we'll share the link in the episode notes. Even on their nearly 2,000 kilometer round trip, Carol and her family had such a smooth journey other than some concerns you had about prices. Now let's get a little more adventurous and hear from Jörd.
3: If you enter it on Google Maps, I, I think it should be maximum uh, 1800 kilometers all, all over highways. Uh, but my experience was having to to sometimes go uh, a little bit out of your way to find a charge station or just simply also a, a place to stay the night.
0: Mm-hmm. And what kind of a vehicle are you driving?
3: Uh, it's a Hyundai Kona. Uh, late 2019 model.
0: This is George Burkut, sales director at a company in the Netherlands called Greenflux. He's based in Harlem, the Netherlands, and traveled through the Netherlands, Germany, Poland, and into Lithuania. So this was your first time doing this drive in an electric vehicle, correct? Yeah,
3: the only experience I had outside of uh, going on personal trips or, work, or from the home to the office.
0: So did it take a lot more advanced planning uh, to map your route and to find charging stations along the way? Yeah,
3: what I should have done is I should have probably registered for the charge station providers uh, because I have an RFID token, right? That's the card that I can use to
0: activate. From which provider? Uh,
3: it's from a local provider here. It's a Dutch company called Jules, uh,
0: uh-huh.
3: and they manage, uh, they manage a, a, a quite a significant uh, network, and they, they also have roaming capabilities. Uh, But those worked only in the Netherlands and in Germany. So entering Poland and then uh, also covering the last bit of the trip in Lithuania, I had to charge the the car using the mobile app, registering myself as a user. And I had to do that with three different providers, actually, because of the the presence in Poland and Lithuania of different brands. It's just limited compared to, to Germany and Netherlands at the moment.
0: Yeah, I mean, what did you think of that whole experience?
3: Uh, Well, mixed impressions, in all honesty, because you leave with a full battery. I rely on the fact that I can charge uh, anywhere using that RFID card, that token, in the Netherlands. And I was also confident that it would work in, in Germany based on previous experience. But then in Poland and Lithuania, I wasn't sure if, if roaming would work, so if I could actually use my card. Uh, so entering Poland with a, a low battery, like 15% remaining, you come to your first charge station, then discovering that your card doesn't work, you know, then then the, the experience you have to... Uh, you have to be ready to make some detours.
0: <laughs> See the sights of the country, we might say. <laughs> See the
3: sights of the country. Uh, appreciate the, the local cuisine at... Uh, at exactly,
0: the, at the hyper-local. Fuel stations.
3: You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I know the, the diet, it's in in Poland now. Uh, right. But, but you know, I think overall I was confident. And I to answer one of your previous questions, I naively didn't really plan. So as a result, my, my journey back went way more efficient than it went on the way there. So I would recommend every other EV driver, if you're undertaking a new journey, put some checkpoints in. Right. Uh, for example, we didn't book a hotel for the first night. I thought, let's see how far we get. And then when we were maybe in, in, a, in a three hour sort of distance, then let's book the hotel. Because if something happens, then we might want to deviate.
0: You know where you need to get to, or how far you can get.
3: Exactly, exactly. And then uh, I would advise other EV drivers maybe maybe pick one or two options, have them open in your browser, and know okay if it's going well, I'm going there. If it's going a little less well, I'm going there. So to avoid some stress, that uh, or, or the stress of my wife, right?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Which becomes your stress, frankly. Yeah, and your dogs as well. When you are looking for hotels. Are you looking to see if they have charging capabilities as an amenity?
3: Yeah, so on the way back I did that. You have third-party providers, I won't name the, name the brands. That way you can select a filter. Uh, so that's cool, that's really cool to see actually that that's already exists. There is a very limited amount of uh, hotels who maybe advertise that, but we found one on the way back. On the way there we had to go so far away from the, uh, the highway that we actually had to manage the charging ahead of going off the highway. So, yeah, another advice is plan that and save yourself uh, having to drive after dark, even whilst
0: you're in the summer. Oh, God. Did you have any experiences where you got to a station and you didn't know exactly what to do?
3: Well, this this experience I already gained in the last five months, right? The, The months prior. We had only one really tricky situation where we actually left the hotel after the first night, had to look with 100 kilometers left, had to look we saw that close to the highway so luckily it was on our route we saw a charge station we arrived on the sunday it so happened that the charge station was offline we did successfully manage to get support on the phone but they couldn't bring it back online so with only 50 kilometers left we now had to enter the highway to find a charge station 48 kilometers away so driving really you know as moderate as possible arriving with three kilometers left on the battery to charge the car so it was a great start of the sunday uh, luckily that won't work yeah i guess you know don't let that scare you
0: right 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 it's, it's a good story because you made it and you know it's like heroic but it wasn't so so bad it might have a different flavor if that, if that last station hadn't worked as well but i'm glad to hear it did
3: we maybe wouldn't have done this interview. I Touche, you yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> touche. You've already mentioned the bit you traveled through different countries and actually it was quite different. Um, anything else that really jumped out to you as differences? I mean, you've been through uh, through Netherlands, Germany, Poland, also Lithuania. You haven't mentioned Lithuania yet. Are there differences you saw in the different countries uh, regarding, you know, charging infrastructure, the experience or really anything related to your trip?
3: Yeah, yeah, you can you can definitely see the the difference. Uh, for example, in the Netherlands and in Germany, in the dedicated sites where clearly someone invested in uh, in the charging uh, industry has made an effort to put an infrastructure up, you'll also have more facilities around. Whereas in Poland, it felt to me not in a negative or a, a positive manner, just completely neutral that it was added on. Right? Oh, let's also put a charger in the. In, in the ground. And then uh, with, with the Greenway uh, company, they have strategically thought about it because they were at retail prices and and so you could actually extend your stay by also doing some shopping. I thought that was really creative and you'll probably see that more and more as the business uh, will evolve, as the industry will evolve. Uh, but in Lithuania, for example, it was nice that you could use a charger and then not getting charged any parking fees. If you are crossing Lithuania, there is a charger on the border where you can charge for free. I thought it was pretty cool because then uh, uh, it's probably to give some uh, some extra attention to the infra- infrastructure there.
0: Do you, how do you know it's there?
3: I, we found it again using maps. We didn't know it was free. Otherwise in Lithuania, I've seen the statistics. So it's still the, the country with actually the lowest occupancy of charges in the European Union. But what was cool in Lithuania that relatives that we were looking, they were really excited to see us coming. In an electric vehicle, almost couldn't believe that we were making that journey. It's like, wow, what, what? So that the the feedback that we got was uh, in the Netherlands is more common, right? People people drive all sorts of manufactured cars, uh, EV manufactured cars. But in Lithuania, I haven't uh, I haven't seen a lot of uh, EVs, and that was that was quite a cool uh, cool experience.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's why I'm so excited to hear your story on you know and have it featured on our podcast. What was the most, let's say, special or interesting, coolest spot you recharged the whole way?
3: I thought it was pretty cool in Vilnius. I just happened to have a barber meeting. I found a spot in the middle of the center of Vilnius where I could then park my car for free, have it charged whilst getting uh, a haircut. I don't know if that's cool, right? But uh, it was certainly uh, nice because I selected the barber shop (laughs) on the basis of there being a charge station on the premise.
0: And that, it was really right there on the premises? It was 50 meters across the streets, yeah. Perfect. And that is a great example of how people go to charge where they're gonna spend their time. Our listeners can't see, but you have a sweet haircut, Jorrit. So it looks like it was a good stop on both ends.
3: Didn't grow back anymore, that's the problem.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's still summer, you know. Wow, that was quite an adventure. I mean, that story had it all. Not sure if we're going to be able to top that one, or are we? Now we head to Paris to pick up a Nissan Leaf and a few new friends.
4: My name is Ada Shen, and my husband, Emmanuel, and I um, have a Leaf 2, Nissan Leaf 2, and we live in Paris. You know, this was the summer after everyone was like, okay, we're done feeling confined and we really want to go somewhere. And um, we said, great, let's go to Prague. So we went from Paris to Prague and back again. Obviously, you're starting in France. You go through Belgium, you go through Luxembourg, you go through Germany, and then you hit Czech Republic in seven days, which is quite a lot um, when you consider that that's 2,000 kilometers round trip. um, Not a small amount in a gas car, but really kind of an epic (laughs) distance for us in our Nissan Leaf. And we did it, mostly we did a lot of camping, and that was the objective. We wanted to do a lot of camping and sort of enjoy ourselves as we took on the challenge of going to Prague. Did you have to do
0: any advanced planning to map out your routes and your where you thought you might need to recharge more than maybe you would have had to do if you were driving a combustion engine vehicle?
4: Oh, um, for sure. You know, We're very familiar um, with traveling to Bordeaux, to Brittany, to the south of France with our electric car. So we were feeling confident. Uh-huh. Um, and we were feeling really confident about being able to, you know, take that experience and apply it heading heading east instead. So, but in terms of advanced planning, so we already, you know, we, we use Charge Map, and so with the Charge Map uh, card, you have a lot of, of interoperability with the various networks, and it also shows you kind of where. There are charging stations. It gives you a sense of the status of those charging stations: if machines are available, or broken, or reliable, et cetera. And and other than that, we knew where Prague was, so we didn't have a lot of <laughs> we didn't have a lot of detail in between. We sort of had um, you know an experience of like we knew kind of how to approach it. We knew we needed to be patient. We knew we needed to have a sense of adventure, and we knew that we were going to be in for an adventure.
0: So you said Charge Map is that your home uh, public charging operator, the one you use? In your home community when you're traveling at public public chargers around France?
4: So in France there's actually there's actually a number of different networks. And so what charge map does is sort of aggregates kind of what those things are and it, it creates relationships between them so that with your one card, you're able to then, you know, show up in Brittany and charge locally. It isn't perfect, but it does give you a good sense there's also kind of built-in um, crowdsourced feedback on the state of charging stations.
0: Did you need to do anything different? Do you have to get any other apps or RFID cards or you do ad hoc charging where you paid for one-time charging sessions on your way?
4: So we discovered, and this was exciting, but it was very interesting. We discovered that different countries handle it differently. So, and when you hit someone else's network, they, they may or may not be fully synchronized. Like you can show up on the charge map, but it doesn't mean it's necessarily going to work with the charge map card. If you are traveling across a set of countries where you don't necessarily, speak the language, say, for example, Germany and Czech Republic. And Czech Republic, hey, we arrived at the border in Germany and we remembered that Czech Republic is actually not Eurozone, so we went, we went, oh, dang, maybe we should have checked that first, right, so, 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 you know. So a yeah, sense of
0: adventurism, adventurism you referring to earlier. Sense
4: of, I mean, or being a little more organized could have offset some of that adventurousness just a touch, but um, in terms of things that we had to do separately, it does help, of course, you do want to travel with a credit card, right, because if it doesn't work, you may need to, you know, use your credit card. It does help if you can speak English, because when we hit Germany, for example, example, all the instructions are in German, and we found that our vehicle for some reason in Germany, even when we could pay for it, and even, you know, we could see the station on charge map, we could pay for it on charge map, but the machines would not release the car in Germany. So every time we charged, we would have to call the number at the end hope someone picked up and that they would hit a button and let the car go. Now, the good news is, is Germany has tons of fast charging. That's amazing. They've got tons and tons of charging. And then the other thing is we realize that if you're camping, there's a special kind of camping electrical hookup, little plug, that most of the time when you're camping with a, you know, the pitch is, your camping pitch, you can get one that has an electrical plug hookup. Right. Uh-huh. And, and especially yeah, right. in Germany, everyone camps with RVs. It's really more glamping than right. it is actually camping with a tent. But that's perfect as long as you have that device. So that was our big, yeah, yeah. our big life-changing investment was when we were going through Germany, realizing that we needed to have this plug, finding the plug in Germany and stopping and buying it. And that's what gave us the courage to press on into Czech Republic. <laughs>
0: Smart. Look, you learned along the way. So did you uh, yourselves on this journey have to like download any other apps or pay with your credit card for a one-time charge or anything like that?
4: Yeah, we did that um, in Czech Republic where the box was all entirely in Czech. Uh, That was the only moment where we were like – okay, this is, this is exciting. And fortunately we had our mutual friend uh, with us who speaks Czech yes. fluently. So right. she was able to get on the phone with them and talk to them. You know, it wasn't even easy to, to figure out how to click the button to see the instruction in, in English. Like you needed to read Czech. So not everything is built for the adventurous, non-native tourist in mind. And I think we ended up paying that time via my credit card. And that was mm-hmm. lucky that that worked.
0: Do you notice big differences between the countries?
4: You know, Belgium wasn't so different from France. Um, Germany, we were really impressed by the, the huge concentration. Obviously, there's a lot of investment in um, electric charging stations. And then you hit the border of the Czech Republic and the map gets very, very quiet. <laughs> yes. So we actually did that. We were We were actually camping overnight at the border, at the sort of the western border of Czech Republic, on the Germany side, and we realized that there was no charging station, not enough charging stations for us to continue um, heading east directly into Prague safely. And so we actually ended up going, wrapping around to the north, up towards Dresden, buying this little charging plug, and then coming across the border into Czech Republic, and then camping in the northern mountains of Czech Republic, which there's no way we ever would have done that. (laughs) Totally. There's that sightseeing for you, right? But it was awesome. It was like so interesting. If you think, you know, travel is just getting on a plane and that that's really boring and sterile, we recommend you try car camping (laughs) with an electrical car because it is beautiful. It is amazing. You will see parts of these countries, parts of the countryside, parts of your own country that you will never see otherwise because most people are just busy rushing from point A to point B.
0: Well, and as you know, we've noticed too, some of these charging spots are, especially when you get off the highway, are in some very interesting locations. And so you're driving through these local roads or into industrial parks or into like big, big parking lots, areas, you know, where you would never otherwise think to go. But now you find there's a fast charger here because there was available electrical capacity, or there's plenty of parking or something like that. And suddenly you're at the, you know, edge of a cornfield in uh, southern Austria, looking at the Dolomites, and you're like, well, this is where the charger is. This
4: is and it's beautiful. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Exactly. And, I, and I do want to say, you know, it's not going to be as easy as charging is filling up a gas tank. That's true. But there's something about the culture of having an electric car, when you're optimizing your efficiency, when you are, are baking in time, right, to kind of slow down, take a breath, you know, you're gonna be there for 30 minutes to charge or 15 minutes to charge or maybe an hour, right? And it does change kind of how you approach the whole project. And honestly, before we had our electric car, we would get in the car and we would drive for like nine hours and we're like we're going from end to end. We're tired. We're crabby. You know, everyone's tired and crabby. And you get there and you get there fast, but did you enjoy it? And what we found with our electric car is we love it, even with the adventure, like the occasional excitement of needing to maybe sleep in the car because the last charger didn't work or whatever. That stuff is fun. The people that we met along the way, like this is what you travel for, right?
0: I totally agree. I say, you know, EV driving causes you to make friends you never otherwise would have had because they have a charger you need to use. (laughs) So, I mean, to that point, you said that like sometimes you have had to ask a, you know, hotel or restaurant or anyone if you could just, you know, run a cable out of their uh, socket for a little. Can you share one of those stories?
4: Yeah, well, we've, we've had to do that. Multiple times, we've gotten very good at noticing little electrical plugs outside. <laughs> you know, like totally. you develop totally. like totally. a sixth Everything. sense. Everything. Look, that a plug. A <laughs> that actually happened in Germany, where um, a plug that was supposed to be where it was advertised and then we realized it was not, it didn't exist anymore and so we just said okay, fine. So we found a restaurant, we saw that there was a plug, we asked them, hey, can we? do you mind if we charge our electric car while we have our lunch and they said sure. So this kind of thing we've had to do a few times, the kindness of strangers, most strangers are actually kind, which is nice. There was one time when a very expensive, fancy, fast charging network just was broken and it was our last charge before we hit Paris and it was late at night. And so that was kind of a bummer because we had to sleep in the car. Um, but yeah, we were still able to charge because the owner of the convenience store was willing to run a cable out, you know, to, to our car. You know, right. we've had days going into Germany, our first day, time into Germany. We had such bad luck coming in. We stopped five times before we found like a charger that would work. It was, it was a little bit crazy that time. It was not long after that that we got our um, car camping plug And then we just would wake up after camping all night. We would have a full charge, which gives you many, many more options.
0: A good sense of adventure and a good sense of humor, Ada had them both. And I loved that we just learned maybe the best electric vehicle road trip hack of them all. Go recharge at campsites. Turns out, though, she's not the only one to figure that out this summer. Jan and his family did, too. So let's hit the road with them now for our final road trip of this episode.
2: I'm Jan, uh, Jan Rosenau, and I live in Oxford in the United Kingdom. And we have uh, purchased an electric vehicle. So we wanted something that has a long range and is can be recharged uh, at a pretty rapid speed and has a good charging infrastructure that could be used. So we we went for the Model 3, the Tesla Model 3.
0: And what have you found is the range of the vehicle in your real life experience?
2: Right, Um, you know, a trip for um, five or six hours. We stopped once, you know, to take a a lunch break or a coffee break uh, and charge.
0: Jan drove from the United Kingdom through Germany and France, and he covered about 2,000 miles, which is around 3,200 kilometers.
2: Yeah, we wanted to go um, to the French Alps uh, which is um, quite far from Oxford. You know, it's a, it's a long drive, um, and we also wanted to visit family in northwest Germany. So that, again, that's a long drive up from Mont Blanc and back to Oxford. So it's a it's like a triangle when you look at the map. It's like a triangle, and we weren't quite sure what to expect. Right, first time electric vehicle, mm-hmm. long distance, a uh, lot of gear uh, with the kids, with the
0: family, with the family, yeah, kids. Um, <laughs> the ultimate X factor, I think. Yeah.
2: Uh, but, I mean, you know, we've found it's it, it's not a problem. Um, if you go for a really long drive, let's say you want to drive um, 10, 12 hours. Yes, you know, I will admit, you know, there are a few stops you might have to make that you wouldn't otherwise take, you know. But most of the time we stopped because we wanted to have lunch or, you know, get a, grab a coffee, comfort break. Uh, but there were a few instances, especially driving all the way across France, where we needed to stop maybe once or twice more than we would have um, otherwise, you know, had we had a petrol or diesel vehicle. But, you know, having said that, um, once we were at the campsite, we were camping in France, we could just charge up at the campsite at no extra cost. They were completely happy with
0: that. And did you have to plan your routes more conscientiously than you you would have before when you're driving a combustion engine vehicle
2: that is one of the other advantages of of the tesla infrastructure that you the the car tells you where to charge how long it will take and how to optimize the trip Um, but of course sometimes yeah the range estimate that the car is making isn't quite a hundred percent so you might want to yeah, if it estimates you're going to arrive on a 7% charge uh, and you're somewhere in a remote location, um, I'd rather charge a little longer or stop once more just to be safe. Um, you don't want to get stranded somewhere in the mountains. I know that feeling very, very well. <laughs> right right so you do it i think a little bit more planning is 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 required Uh, and also when you know we stayed in a hotel um, overnight on the way back and it just makes sense to look for a hotel where you can charge up so you just don't have to deal with anything in the morning you know it's fully charged Uh, and a lot of hotels now have um, the option and you can even on some of the booking websites you can say i want an EV charger and then you can reserve it um, so you have a parking slot spot and you can charge
0: up did you drive primarily on major roads or did you go off onto local roads at any point and have to charge in some, you know, really outlier destination?
2: Yeah, yeah, we have. Um yeah, especially once you're sort of um half an hour away from the motorway, yeah, you know, there's sort of slow local chargers, right? Um yeah, maybe twenty kilowatts at the most. They were in most places actually you had somewhere public charger. And we, we, uh, we sometimes use them because we were going for a walk or we were going to explore the city and we were hanging out there anyway. And, uh, you know, if you park the car up and there's a, there's a charge point, you may as well plug in. So not even a Tesla charger, just a regular, just a, just a regular. I mean, what I would say is that, um, because each system is different, uh, and sometimes, you know, it, it takes you a few minutes to work out. Yeah. How do I get the, thing in there, you know, how do I actually open up the box, what I need to yeah. download an app, I need to enter my credit card details, so that's, that's of course still a bit of a hassle um, because every service provider has a slightly different system, but once you work it out um, and you have an account and you know how to do it, then it's super quick.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for, I guess, those of us who are not Tesla drivers, that's quite a common experience. Yeah, maybe even even more so. Did, so you had to do that as well. You had to identify which the provider was, the EMP operating that, that charger at some, some community somewhere, download their app, maybe register or not in order to authentic, and activate and begin the session?
2: Yeah, that's right. That's just like any, anybody else, I, I suppose. Uh, we found that a lot of the Tesla what they call destination chargers, which are um, at a lower capacity and you know not fast, super fast chargers, they're often in hotels and they 're only for guests um, so that was a bit disappointing you know when you kind of look at the map, oh there 's lots of Tesla destination chargers, but they often were um, just for the guests of a hotel, let's say in the underground car park so we you know we, we couldn 't use those um, otherwise, I suppose it'll be easier because you just plug in and it automatically you know, takes the money off your account um no we just used the local infrastructure that um that we found and, and you know it,
0: it was fine it was just fine having had both of these experiences when you look at what it will take to make you know electric vehicle driving and therefore recharging much more common and popular, do you do you have any lessons learned or any suggestions for how to do so? Yeah, I mean, ideally, right, it would be like um, plug just plugging in um, without having to
2: do anything. Um, yeah, I don't know to what extent that, that's possible, but that would be the ideal yeah, that you don't have to do anything.
0: Yeah, I, I think that probably would be.
2: What was the most
0: interesting place you charged at?
2: Um, I mean, charging at the campsite um, was pretty cool, yeah, because we uh, we were sleeping in the tent and the car was t- charging up, and um, yeah, the next day we could drive where we wanted to drive. Um, so, but in, the, in terms of the public charging infrastructure, uh, I think the best charge point that we found um, was uh, a dedicated EV. What do you call it, charging station? Yeah, it was it, it was you had a Tesla supercharger. You had also Ionic or one of the other big um, fast chargers, rapid chargers, and a few um, slow chargers as well. Yeah. And you got have had a restaurant that was catering especially, I think, for the needs of the kind of EV crowd. Um, so and, and it was still expanding. Um, so that that was yeah. a really nice place, yeah, to to go because where was this? Uh, this was in Hilden, in just near Düsseldorf, in West Germany. And yeah. they yeah. we had talked to the the restaurant owner, and they were saying that you know they they have to build a completely new building because it can't cater for all the guests. There's a huge demand. Um and you know the nice thing is that usually when you get out of the car at the petrol station, you can smell the petrol, right? It's everywhere. Um and the fumes from the cars. And that place was just a beautiful wooden construction, fresh air, you know, nice restaurant where you could grab a, a pizza or something. Um and it's quiet. You know, you don't hear any, any engine noise, you don't smell any petrol or diesel fume, it gave us a flavor of, you know, what might happen if suddenly it's not like, um, you know, 1% of all the cars on the road being an EV, but um, 20%, 30%, you know, you will
0: get places like that. Altogether, Jan and his family drove for about 30 hours over the course of a five-week trip. It was quite a long time on the road. Did he see any differences in terms of EV preparedness between the countries that they drove through?
2: certainly france had a really decent charging infrastructure a little bit more scarce so charging perhaps in belgium um, a little bit more difficult to find decent charge points but no i mean it's it wasn't really a problem in any of those countries um to recharge it's fairly dense already i think you know it's, it's not ideal there's still lots lots of work to be done um but it it, it was never we never felt oh you know we can't drive to this particular region and then it's gonna, not going to be charging. We got to charge up first. We never felt that that was, we never had range anxiety in any particular part of, of Europe.
0: Those were four wonderful electric vehicle adventure stories. So it seems that with or even without some advanced planning, long distance electric vehicle driving, even with families, sports gears and everything else you might need for the summer is very possible. And while the charging experience isn't always the seamless or the same in each country, I mean, that's also part of the adventure, seeing what's different out there. And yes, we as an industry do need to keep working on this, and we are. So, in fact, one important initiative that we at Greenway are working on, along with our colleagues in the Polish Alternative Fuels Association and the Slovak Electric Vehicle Association, is called the Central and Eastern European Green Transport Initiative, an effort to bring together the champions of e-mobility in our region to speak with a common voice and help make this transition a success. We'll be holding a summit in Łódź, Poland, October 6-8 as part of the Congress for New Mobility and invite you to join us there. So if you're interested, just shoot me an email. Come in an electric vehicle and try out the networks in Poland, just like Jory did. Before we close, there's one more important milestone I want to recognize. Greenway's 10th birthday. That's right, Greenway, the company I work for and which supports this podcast Co-founded by our occasional co-host and number one guest, Peter Badik himself, is celebrating 10 years as a pioneer in e-mobility and as an independent company in this industry, which is no small feat in this business, dominated as it is by utilities and larger energy companies. Greenway is a great company doing great things, and I am truly proud to have been on this journey with Greenway for the last six years. had a lot of fun along the way, and we did some big stuff. Huge thank you to Carl Pirot, Jorid Burkhart, Ada Shen, and Jan Rosino for their time, enthusiasm, stories, and insights. Huge thanks to Katarina Urban Richterova for making this podcast as smooth as hopefully your last recharging session was. And with that, I'm Aaron Fishbone, wishing you many happy and safe electric kilometers. Till next time.
4: south of france and the charging machine would not let go of the car would not release it was a saturday it was a weekend and they literally had to it was a long story but there's a a a thing to reset the power is a special kind of key he had to go find a construction guy for the city who had the thing for the key and they had to turn off the power to the sector so that they could release the car and then turn it back on again Which on a Saturday in France. I just, if you know France, that's, it's a miracle we ever got out of there. (laughs) If you have a good sense of adventure and a good sense of humor, it is helpful. Yeah, (laughs) it's
1: very helpful.